0: Um, let's start with a prayer name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit um, Thank you again, Lord, for the gift of yourself in Mass this morning um, For your presence itself that we carry within us um, It's your presence within us that makes us a part of your kingdom here, now Let all of us know that To take a joy in it Um, Take away our blindness um, so that we can see, as Dante has been teaching us to see, that there's this great glory around us if we would just um, give ourselves to what you're doing. Um, Help us to take our learning, what we've been learning here in our faith. Um, Let our minds be deepened um, by our faith. Um, All that we do with our intellects, let it be enriched uh, to see the world more deeply more fully um, help us uh, to grow in our faith let our faith be enlivened deepened too. help us to open ourselves in our faith all, um, to the supernatural things that you have to offer us um, and let us be glad in all things help us to carry the heart of Christ to everything that we do um, as Father said this morning particularly with each other and particularly in anything that goes on with our sins, our own and those of others. Make that heart real. I ask for a special blessing on Carrie, Amy, Daniel, um, Matthew and Lynn, um, Rich. Um, I give you thanks for Dan's recovery and ask that you watch over him in his operation next week. Um, let him know your presence. Help him to keep his heart quiet, trusting. Um, ask a special blessing again on Ron and Priscilla. Um, I'm so glad. So glad they're here. Um, Sorry. Whatever hardships they face, um, let them know your presence. Um, help them to find work and where there are hardships. Let them carry the heart of Christ, particularly where there are adversities. People who are unjust. Sorry. <clears throat> let them see this as um, something God is overseeing always whatever hardships they're going to know that he is allowing it um, to help them come better let that be so for all of us whatever hardships to take seriously what we're learning here put it to work in our lives. We ask all of this in Your name. Sorry. God, yeah, I've been praying that I get to a point before I die when I don't do this. <laughs> God. What? Okay, let's start. Um, is there water? I should have bought some. Okay. Um, what I'm going to do today is, um, um, since we only have two meetings left. Just um, do a little bit of summary wrap up um, to give some over perspectives and a look back. So I want to go forward. Um, you have to you have to bang it um, um, as a way of trying to sum up because next week will be our last week and I won't do any summary. I'm not going to go back. I'm not going to do the the short review that I do is the short review of the previous week but I'd like to do a couple of things to try to put this in perspective just to help you have an overview that you can put it all together and see the whole so I'm going to do that a little bit today Um, but just quickly um, a quick review of last week Um, we've been seeing from the very beginning that there is nothing that Dante does in the Paradiso that doesn't relate Immediately to a first cause, Um, and I hope everybody's clear. We live in a world of secondary causes. We live in a world of secondary causes. God is the first cause. Yes. Here's the universe, sir. Here's the universe. Whatever, all the planets, all the various universes, whatever make it up. He is the first cause of everything. We live in a world of secondary causes what we call a contingent world, right? He created this world with a degree of freedom to oh God. It's run. Thanks. He created this world with a... Thank you very much. Um, I have to fill myself up after...
1: Oh,
0: this is so bad. So bad. Um, he created a world... In, um, in which contingencies could exist in order to protect our free will. Having free will implies reason. Yeah? To go, you cannot to Thomas you can't separate it. And if we thought about that, it would it would make absolute sense. We couldn't have free will without a reason to distinguish between things, right? And what's the point of reason if we don't have a free will? Trees don't have that, animals don't have that. We do. So he's the first cause of everything um, we we as humans tend to see things in terms of secondary causes we explain things or try to that way anybody who thinks about this seriously would come to a point of realizing how inadequate that is secondary causes can't explain things matter matter can't explain itself in the night class um... bob gave an an example of what he thought um... was um... an illustration of um self-perpetuating movement because one of the definitions of nature is that nature's motion its movement, everything's changing, everything's in, in motion um... to understand how one one billiard ball hit another, you know, you go back and trace back a series of causes in an effort to explain those things but if you don't come to a first mover you go on forever, infinitely, ad infinitum so, um, secondary causes can't explain itself. Motion can't explain itself. For motion to be explained, you have to get to a first mover, something that moves in itself. That's why God is not created. We, we know he's being. He's, he's uncreated. We know that Christ is uncreated because he was begotten by the Father. They are the same substance, one nature. Um, I hope that's clear. Bob gave the example of a waterfall saying he thought it was the most perfect example of self-perpetuating movement that he could find in the world, because it's just constantly, you know, a waterfall and it never seems to run out. And I said, but it's not. I mean, he he didn't, I don't think, I've got to ask him, I'm not sure that he saw that he he himself was stuck in a a world of secondary causes. Because if you take away the snow in the mountains, or if you take away gravity, the waterfall won't be there. So he was looking at it in a contained world, that it's constantly in motion, so that it seemed to be an image of self-perpetuating motion. The only thing that has that as a quality is God, except God is still. He's motionless. He's not, he, he, God has no desire. He doesn't lack anything. We do, because we lack things, right? So very often God is beyond all the things that we can use to describe him. So in everything that Dante does, there's not a thing that goes on in the Paradiso because we're in a metaphysical world, we're leaving the world of, of Virgil and earthly understanding. There's not a thing that he does that doesn't go to a first cause. That's why everything in the Paradiso is full of light. It's luminous, it's bright, it's blessed because all of those things are almost immediately with God. They're only coming to Dante so that he can gradually <coughs> adjust his soul to the brilliance of all that's happening in heaven. So we saw that in the, in the Paradiso, we've entered a world of metaphysics. He could not have done that if he had not read Aristotle's metaphysics. of the greatest works in the ancient world and through the Christian Middle Ages were Aristotle's physics and Aristotle's metaphysics. In the metaphysics, he's dealing with ultimate principles. Um, and we, we went through the scheme again. You already know that the heavens are divided into three. The lower heavens are, um, are pl- planets in which souls come to meet Dante who are imperfect and deficient in the virtues. Um, the moon, what was it? Um, the moon, Mercury, Venus. The moon um, is, the, is the sphere in which Picarda comes and tells the story about how she and Constance were, um, um, had broken their vows. And in Mercury, um, um, we met Justinian, who was imperfect in justice. Um, so, deficiency in, um, in fortitude, in justice, and then in the level of Venus where love is set in motion. Um, we encountered um, Charles Martel. It's also there that we we encountered Cuniza. Remember she's the one who has who had four husbands and <laughs> a countless number of lovers. <laughs> I can't look at that scene without enjoying her tremendous she's the one who says I forgive myself. You know, because <laughs> well, remember there's no there there's no morbidness, no guilt, no shame. That's all gone in heaven. So she takes a joy in the state of forgiveness that God had forgiven her and she forgives herself. It's a wonderful scene, I think. And then um, we ended in the heaven of the sun and, and um, experienced the two orders, the Dominicans and the Franciscans, complementing each other. And it was an instance, I'd said, of, of um, oh thanks. God. It was an instance of the graciousness in heaven. Um, And um, remember I suggested that that, um, the erotic presentation of St. Francis and that description that ends that canto, canto ten or eleven, was not accidental. Remember with all the images of thrusting and swelling, that those sexual images were not accidental. It was Dante's way of showing that the lower is always, it's never left behind. God made us, he never leaves that stuff behind, that, that what happens is it's transformed. The, the modern psychological term would be sublimated, you know, that the sexual is sublimated. I, I think that's an unfortunate term. I would say it's transformed and made radiant. You know, it's, um, it's not sublimated, it's not left behind whatever was there becomes what it was meant to become. So the sexual um, um, energy, whatever you want to call it, um, is still present, but changed. Um, And and the last last thing we didn't get to, but I want to to look at that now just quickly before we turn to what happens today. in canto um, thirteen, I think, turn to page four sixty seven. No, this is hold on. yeah, this is one of them. Um, um Yeah, 467. This is, Dante and Beatrice um, are present to the two orders, the Dominicans and the Franciscans. Thomas um, um, steps out again after um, Bonaventura has complimented the Dominicans, and Thomas wants to take up Dante's second question about who is the wisest man in the world. On 468, I just want to repeat this because it's, it's, it's a restatement of that principle that we saw earlier, that God is present in all things. Remember we had that early description where the, where the, the God created the universe and He, um, he, he infused His creation with His present. So the prima mobile, it's crystalline, it's transparent, you can't see it. The, the prima mobile moves so fast you can't even see it. And its motion imparts motion to all the planets, Every one of the planets has an angelic order overlooking it called the intelligences, the angels because they don't have bodies. And um, one of the most famous um, visions, theories of the Middle Ages was that the, the harmony of these planets in their movements, in their different movements, their different speeds, their different orders, produced what was called the music of the spheres, was God's order. That only the most holy people, those people who had learned to move past their bodies, could actually experience that. And I gave you the the example from Shakespeare's Pericles. When Pericles, he goes through, the whole play is about his suffering. He just, he suffers the loss of everything in his life and at the very end of his life, um, he, he is reunited with his daughter, Marina. Eliot writes a poem called Marina. It's based on that play. <clears throat> There's a moment when Pericles hears the music of the spheres, and he sleeps, and you can imagine the blessedness of that rest, the, to hear that music, to be one with God's order. That's a music we don't hear. The, the Middle Ages would have said, I, I think of Bach. I think of Bach as the greatest musician that's ever written, composed. If you th- if you hear some of Bach's music, I mean, some of it to me is just extraordinary. The Heart of Man's Desire, the jo- you know things like that. You 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 feel like you're just on the outskirts of heaven. That he is there's a holiness and a blessedness to some of his music that other other composers are murky, muddy, passionate. There's this clarity to Bach. All music was meant in some way to reflect that unheard music. Just like all words were meant to reflect that unspoken, unheard word, Christ. Um, So here on 468, Dante's uh, getting a description once again of this first cause and the the way in which it is present in everything in creation. There's nothing that goes on in our life, nothing that goes on in our life that doesn't have God touching it. We live in a universe in which we think we're all isolated and separate so we get we get alarmed, distressful when bad things happen to us. It's like God's not around. We're in this infinite universe. There's nobody around. That was not the way it was in the medieval world. In the medieval world, Dante's showing us. There's nothing that goes on that doesn't have God's permission, God's involvement in it somewhere. If, he, if bad things happen, it's because he allows them to help us get better. That's our contingent world. That's our, the world of freedom that he's left us. He, he is never apart from us. No matter, what we, no, matter, no matter what we think to the contrary. Unfeigned, 468. All that which dies and all that cannot die reflect the radiance of that idea which God the Father through His love begets." What's that idea? The Son. God God the Father has an idea, He conceives Himself, right? He understands Himself. That act of self-knowledge begets an image of Himself, His Son. That's why the Son is co-eternal with the Father. It's God's knowledge of Himself. That's why Christ is called the image of Himself. Remember everywhere in Christ's words He says, in me you see the Father. You know me, you know the Father. Why? Because He's His image. He, um, which God the Father through His love begets, that living light which from its radiant source streams forth its light but never parts from it, nor from the love which triunites them. How do you express the tie between the Father and Son? Love. What else is going to be said? That's the Holy Spirit. The Father conceives of Himself, it's the Son. The love that they share between each other, has to be a person because God himself is being. He's not a thing. He's being itself. That's how we get three persons, one nature, which to the world is a scandal. To the Muslim, it's a scandal that there's somebody besides Allah? These infidels? I mean, it's, it's the way, that's the way they look at it because they think the Trinity is a blasphemy. The sad thing is there's a wonderful theology to it. If you've thought about it, I mean, deeply thought about it, you'd say it makes sense. It can't be any other way. The Jews and the Islams have this isolated God. We have a God of love that's active because there are three persons. So if we're made in his image, love should be the most natural thing for us. To be united with each other is what we're meant to come to because that's just a reflection of what goes on in the Trinity. Um love which triunites with them of its own grace sends down its rays as if reflected to the nine subsistencies remaining semi eternal itself that this love that god imparted to his world his logos is present everywhere it's everywhere how can it not be it's his creation then it descends to the last (laughs) potencies from act to act becoming so diminished it brings forth only brief contingencies that is, the closer you get to matter, the farther away from God you get, the harder it is to see his impress. But he's there, everywhere. Um, and he says, he goes on to make the argument that, that Solomon was the wisest man of all men. Christ and, um, and Adam were created directly by or Christ was God, but Adam was created directly by God. Solomon belongs to the order of creation. So of all men, he was the wisest, and the, and it, it goes on here on 470 to explain why Solomon went to God, remembered, and asked for wisdom. And the wisdom that he got, he makes clear at the top of 470, it wasn't philosophic wisdom; it was scientific wisdom. It was wasn't geometric. At the top there, n- um, nor if without right angles, triangles, and seven, you know, he goes on and on. It was political, practical we- wisdom. He was the wisest man of all. That's scriptural, by the way. And I think I mentioned this. If you read Paradise Lost, Milton's a Protestant. He hates Solomon. If you read Paradise Lost, you, I mean, Milton loathes him. There's this loathing of the body that's, I think, behind the Protestant mind. It's just, it belongs to nature. It's corrupt, it's corrupt. Dante loves the body. Here in the center of the Paradiso is this affirmation of Solomon who had a hundred wives. <laughs> Did I tell you the story of the evening class when I first mentioned, um, what's your name, the, um, who had the, all the husbands? Huh? Keniza. Keniza. When I, I mentioned that she had four husbands in... Lots of lovers. Two of the women looked at each other as if to say they were both married. <laughs> they looked at each other as if to say, "Why are we married?"
1: That's
0: <laughs> 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 why I love Cuniza. You you can't read Dante and not feel that he's affirming the body everywhere. Whatever sins we commit with it is still a glorious. It's what distinguishes us from the angels. It, it may have it may have been part of what was binding. Um, Satan rebelling. I mean, that's one of the understandings. I'm, I'm not altogether comfortable with it, but he was envious because humans were given this body that he, I, I don't know how to, I, I think there's something more than that, but. Anyway, Dante is the great affirmer of, the, of our human nature as God made it. Um, on page 473, Dante has this other question. If the body is going to be returned to us, because the body is essential to our nature, how will we be able to tolerate the, this increasing radiance that he's experiencing as he gets closer to God? Um, and we've got all these images. Um, Beatrice can't smile at him. She warns him because she says if she does, she will blast his eyes. His eyes can't stand it. Here's Solomon's answer on 473. Long as the joyous feast of paradise shall last, it said, so long our burning love shall clothe us in this radiance you see. Because remember, all he's seen is radiance, lights from these souls who keep approaching him. Our brilliance is in ratio to our love, our ardor to our vision, and our vision to the degree of grace vouchsafed to us. When our flesh, sanctified and glorious, shall clothe our souls once more, our person then will be more pleasing since it's complete when our bodies, in the resurrection when our bodies are returned to us we will know a greater joy, we will be completed remember the, the opposite of that in heaven when Pierre Devaney who killed himself in the suicide of Woods when he said when the bodies are returned to him he won't have his body he will know a greater misery a greater punishment because he rejected his body Um, Wherefore the light generously bestowed on us by the supreme good is increased the light of glory that shows him to us. It follows then a vision must increase as must the ardor kindled by that vision, as must the radiance of the ardor gives. But as a coal burns white in its own fire, whose inner glow outshines its outer flame, so that its form is clearly visible. So this effulgence that contains us now will be surpassed in brilliance by the flesh. When our bodies are returned, we will radiate a richer, deeper light, a greater glow. But ours will be accustomed to it. We will have been transformed. The principle is really important here. Our brilliance is in proportion to our love. Our love, our ardor, is in proportion to vision. The more that we see, the more we love. That's a fundamental principle of St. Thomas. Why did Christ come it was to help us to love but also to help us see the father in him because seeing him our love would, how how could it not increase if we see God in front of us all the time doing what he does if we see it, actually see it with our eyes our love increases we can't love what we don't know so sight, seeing, knowledge is fundamental to our love, the more that we know the more our loves grow if we read the divine comedy and our vision deepens, <laughs> hopefully so will our love. We have a help. So, um, our brilliance is in proportion to our love, our ardor, our love to our vision, and our vision to the degree <coughs> of grace. Our sight is deepened by the grace given to us. So the more open we are to grace, the more we see, the more we see, the more our loves are enkindled. That's the fundamental principle of Dante's journey, right? Virgil came to help him see, so did Beatrice, because the more he saw, the more he would love. So it's important that we know, that we see, and our sight is always in proportion to our openness to grace, How how much we are willing to receive knowledge. So knowledge is fundamental to this whole quest. Absolutely fundamental. Okay, so that's where we were last week. This week, I want to just, um, what I'm going to do today, this morning, is I'm going to try to get out of the way as much as I can. Um, I'm going to try to move through the cantos, the nine cantos we had today, and just comment on them. Because I'd like to try to let Dante's poetry speak for itself so that you, you will be left with the poetry, its words, its imagery, what it's doing, and then I'll just loosely comment on it. But Just generally, a couple of things to keep in mind in this section of our reading. I, I think you are probably aware by now that at at each level Dante is meeting souls that have come from the Imperium, from God, to introduce him to a degree of perfection, a degree of radiance. Picarda isn't in the moon. She comes there to reflect that degree of radiance that's in proportion to her own virtue. And she was deficient in it, you know, because she broke her vows. She wasn't faithful to her vows. She's still in heaven. She's perfectly happy. She's the one who says, if if I wished it otherwise, my will would be out of accord with God. In his will is my happiness. So every one of the souls, it, um, reveals a degree of perfection, of blessedness, and in each canto there is a corresponding denunciation. At every at every heaven, every level, a denunciation is made that's generally related to the virtue. And and so the what we see is heaven denouncing the worldly corruption. Usually, it's the clergy or the corruption of Florence, or the orders. You know, St. Thomas said, everybody's getting fat, they're, they're too, they're eating too much, they're too concerned about the world, they're not following God. I mean, we've been getting denunciations at every point. And at one point, I think we'll come to the we'll reading, the canto ends with a denunciation that is so resounding, it almost deafens him. It's almost like a silence. It's so, it's, it's so strong. I, if I remember correctly, it's against, the seat of, it's against the church and the seat of St. Peter because of what's going on with the Pope. Um, as Dante gets higher and higher, he returns to Origins. When he comes to the fixed stars, he goes up the ladder and enters the um, constellation of Gemini. It's called the Twins. I looked it up. Um, um, Dante was born under the sign of Gemini. That's not an accident. That's the beginning of something that's going to become clear and clear in the last few cantos. That as he goes back to God, he's returning to origins. He's going to meet Caciaguita. You already know that. That's his great great grandfather. He's going back to his roots. So from Caccia Guida on, Dante's returning to his beginnings. His great great grandfather, Gemini, he will meet Adam before he meets God. How can it be otherwise? The the, the zoological recapitulation of the I can't remember that zoological term, but the recapitulation the, I can't remember. Onto- ontology recapitulates, recapitulates philo- ontology, on- philo- philo- yeah. That yeah. each one of us under, undergoes a process that returns us to our beginning, the form. That's a modern principle. It's already present. Dante knew it. I mean, um, it was there. He's returning to origins, he's becoming who he was, what he was given to be at the beginning, just as all of us. I mean, hopefully, um, we're all trying to be the person God made us to be. We were created a certain way to go back to become who we were in that beginning. So, it's not an accident. Dramatically, what's happening is, is we're, we're participating in this return. Kachuglida, his great-great-grandfather, Gemini, the constellation under which he was born. He'd go back to Peter, his spiritual father, Adam, and then he'll meet these people who are finally going to take him to Christ, which will end the poem. Um, as he approaches, I mean, this has been a principle along. long, you already know that, um, that at, with each rise to another planet, there's an increase in radiance and joy and blessedness and at one point he can't even look at Beatrice because she says if, if you were to see my smile it would your eyes would be blasted to ashes and at one point finally in the readings today he will actually be able to see her smile she is close to blessedness he can see her then because his soul has become accustomed i want to stop for a minute to say this because this is all sort of amazing it must sound surreal to you guys unreal i don't know how you experience this when you read it but you know that I said when we started the purgatorial that I believe, when we did the three cities, city of man, the city of God, and the, the peregrine city, the, the uh, pilgrim city, that the pilgrim city is the church. We are not supposed to be at home here. If we ever get so comfortable with our material wealth, we're in trouble. We were, we were asked to give it up. That's what Christ asked. Um, we are asked to give it up to move on to him. Um, so the church is the image of the peregrine <coughs> city, the city moving on. And I suggested that purgatory is an image of the way we were supposed to live. It's the way. I mean, that it, it, it must it as a shock to a lot of people because in America we're encouraged to be self-sufficient, material, com- you know, materially comfortable, and have things the way we want. And <coughs> Church keeps saying that's not the way it is, you know, that we're supposed to leave it behind. Um, um, I've been wondering about the Paradiso and I'm going to go out on a limb here, really out on a limb. The Paradiso is the condition that Dante experiences after he leaves the Purgatory. <coughs> the, the work of Purgation is over so he's in a state of blessedness. Um, part of me wants to say we're we're intended to live that here like the purgatorio. I'm not sure that that's so but but I'm going to go out on a limb and say this it seems to me that what he's showing us in the in the paradiso is what the contemplatives and the mystics and the saints do experience so that when somebody's taking communion or the mystic is you know the our, our um, our readings of the mystics and their accounts of union with God, or the saints when they describe these moments of blessedness, the dark night of the soul that leads to rapture, that what Dante is showing us is the life that we were intended to have. And I would I would suggest that um, it's beyond the purgatory, so I'm, i don't think it's safe to say that that should be our life here, but I think, I think it's safe to say we should have some glimpse of it in our struggles to be with Christ, that's what, that's the blessedness that's offered us. So that when we take communion or take a moment of joy, um, and a light goes off or something, that that's not an accident. It's, it's an indication that that's part of the, the spiritual life that we've entered into. When we enter the spiritual life, that's its end, that's where we're going. And I'm, I'm trusting that everybody has moments of joy you know, that, that are indescribable, that are hard to describe. The gratitude that we feel, or the, the humility that we feel sometimes when we're humbled by something. Or, um, so I, I, I'd just like to caution you all, be careful that you don't put this off. Because I think this, this is the life that the saints make us aware of, that the contemplatives, the mystics. There's no accident here. This is the answer to hell, and this is the fruit of purgatory, the, the, the work of, of, of being purified once we enter the spiritual life and move towards God. Okay, so as Dante moves up, the experience of joy and this, this brilliance that he keeps experiencing intensifies by degrees. Before we look, before I turn to the cantos, I want to just give a quick a quick, um, a quick overview. Um, 1265, Florence was the first Berger Republic. We can say that it's America. And I've been making the claim from the beginning that Dante's prophetic, and he's prophetic in this sense we've been seeing through the whole poem that Dante sees this as a calling. That like Paul and, and Aeneas, he had an experience of the afterlife and his experience of that afterlife he brings to us. So he enters into this afterlife and repeatedly makes us aware that it's a calling. Beatrice is gonna say, write it down. Cacciaguida is gonna say to him, who's in heaven, be truthful. You're going to to say things that are going to give people pain. You're going to make people angry at you. You still have to have the courage to say the truth. Because if you don't, you have yourself to answer for. So, he's been revealing these truths to us. I've been claiming prophetically, in order for us to see more clearly the world that we live in. And the amazing thing about it is that Florence is really the prototype of us. So that all of this, what as I'll come to this in a second, all that we experience is meant to help us see more clearly the dangers that we face, the things that we have to deal with in our faith. So we're not just going to church, I think that's why um, Francis asked us to read it. We're not just going to church and taking communion and saying, I mean, Father keeps saying this and saying our rosaries. We're, we've entered into the spiritual life. It's a journal, and a, a journey, and a struggle. And Dante's helping to clarify our sight, to help us to see more, so that hopefully we can love better, come closer to Christ in the way that we love. And we've seen the major sins of Florence are pride and envy. I'm going to succeed. I'm not going to. I'm not going to not have what other people have envy, yeah, I'm gonna have those things too, I don't want to be left out. And gluttony, the, the, the commercial regimes keeps encouraging us to have more and more and more and more. Uh, uh, repeatedly Dante talks about food and how much overeating goes on. We are notoriously overweight in our, in our world. In the last couple of um, planets, Saturn and Jupiter, were given examples of men who, whose whole life is a life of fasting. Um, Damien and Benedict speak. Benedict goes to the de- goes to the desert and eat honey and honey locusts. and um,
1: locusts. Mm-hmm. Locusts.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Yes. They're contemplatives. They're they're struggling to know God to turn away from the flesh, not not to hate it, but to not let it have its hold on us. So the move towards the heavens is a move towards beatitude. We can see this movement really clearly in one respect if we take beginnings. Francisca, turn to five, turn, turn to page. Just quickly, I want to do this quick. Page 30. Remember, she was the, the very first image of sin itself. <clears throat> because in the first level, the virtuous pagans, we weren't given images of um, sin. They weren't being punished, right? They were not being punished, they were there, they were good men. Dante's showing us virtuous men um, are still good, they're just not in heaven because they haven't opened themselves to faith or hope. So it's a shadowy world. The first step into sin is presented to us in Francisco on page 30. Remember she and Powell are together, they, they had that adulterous moment. She says, O living creature, gracious and so kind, who makes your way here through the world." to visit us who stained the world with blood. If we could claim as friend the king of kings, we would beseech him to, She's blaming God, right? right? If God were our friend, we wouldn't be here. Um, she, she's feeling sorry for herself. She's, remember the, the prototype, the image of this was Dido. We, we talked about this when Dido left, or when Aeneas left Dido and she finally committed suicide because she, she couldn't accept the struggles, that, the ordeal that she was facing. Francisca's in the same situation. She's feeling sorry for herself, she blames God. Imagine somebody trying to correct her if she's in this state, what she would do. Just imagine that. that how successful would anybody be if they went and said to her, stop you know, doing this. Here. Um, Dante is so taken by it that, he, that he, he passes out. We've gone through this because pity is a dangerous thing. He feels so sorry at watching her that he doesn't say anything, he passes out. That was the first or one of many faints. Turn to page 267. In the early stages of the Purgatorio, remember at the level of the pride, he meets the proud families and the other proud men. In the the next level, in the glut, or I mean the envious, he meets Guido. And then there's this brief scene with Sapia, 267, I was a ease here with the rest. I mend my evil life with tears and beg of him that he reveal himself to us. She's repenting her sin. She was glad when people didn't get things or had them taken away because she didn't have them. She describes the town. <coughs> you know, she says below, Our men were scattered on the plain and forced to take their bitter course of flight. I watched the chase, seized with a surge of joy. They lost things, Their losing things made her happy. Now she's repenting. I mend my evil life with tears and beg of him that he reveal himself to us. She spends her life in prayer. And she says on the next page, um, 268, had it not been for one Pierre Gutierrez, who moved by charity to grieve for me, remembered me in all his holy prayers. If it wasn't for his prayers, she wouldn't be where she is. So we can see the spiritual, what's happening just in terms of a spiritual movement if we go from Francisca to Sapia, and then Picarda on 406, We've already read these, but it's, it's just a way of 4.6 if, if we track them. Dante asks her if she isn't unhappy where she is because he assumes that she's lost something because she's there. And she says, "No, she's only come here to reveal that degree of, of goodness that she has." She says on 406, um, at the top, "If we desire to be higher up, then our desires would not be in accord with His will, who assigns us to the sphere." I and mean, carefully, what love is, and you'll see such discord has no place within these rounds. Since to be here is to exist in love. Imagine how it is on Earth with people competing with each other, what it does to loves. I mean, that's what she's saying. Imagine on Earth that the, the discord that's caused by wanting too much or not enough or um, um, Indeed, the essence of this blessed state is to dwell here within his holy will, so that there is no will but one but one with his conforming our hearts to Christ, to have the heart of Christ, conforming our wills to His. The order of our rank from height to height throughout this realm is pleasing to the realm as it is that King who wills us to His will. Notice that she uses King, but notice the difference here. Francesca's words were, if the King of the universe were only friendly to us, um, the different ways they have of looking at that King. Um, So, One way of tracking, one way of looking at the movement here from sinfulness to the blessedness is that in the early stages, the the soul has as its object its own love, its self-love, its complete self-love, loving the self more than God. For those of you who were at mass tomorrow or yesterday, it was love God with all your might. You're into it, and love your neighbors. The first two commandments are to love God more than anything and our neighbors. What we see in hell is that people love themselves more than anybody else. What we see here is souls loving God. They are in union with him and at peace. The striving, the the discord is gone. Uh, In his will is our peace. It is the sea in which all things are drawn that itself creates, um, which the work of nature makes, because nature is God's creation. He works with it. <clears throat> One last scheme. If we look at Dante's epic quest as a journey, um, and remember, rem- remember, it began with his, I'm sorry, this is the overview. I'm, I'll do it next week too, but I, since we're closing up, I want to just try to put some things together that don't bear immediately on this, but give you a sense of the whole. Remember when he began, he was at the mountain. He wanted to go up. It's the moment when a human being, longs for immortality. The soul awakens to some, the life eternal. He wants to go up that mountain, tries to climb it by himself and can't. He cannot do it alone. He cannot. He's beaten back. He can't do it because he doesn't see very well. He, he has to learn to see those three beasts, the animals, in each one of us. The fox, the leopard, the, she, the she-wolf, the lion, and the leopard. And we saw it. He had to learn to see those sins because there was no way he could change them if he didn't see them. First step, always down, always down. Went down came up. All the way along that journey, he's learning to see this vision. So he has some way of getting help in what he's doing. Virgil is his help. Beatrice is his help. Um, and all along, he has these warnings that he's going to be exiled. He's been in constant battles. He's like Republicans and Democrats, except in our age, we don't kill each other. Then they did. You know that they were. That's how, I hope everybody realizes how fierce these political, underneath all of us, I think most of us like to kill the other (laughs) members of the other party. (laughs) Um, We go down into that soul. It's a dark place to, it's a dark place to be. So where was I going? God, um, All along he's been getting these warnings that he's going to be exiled. Remember this, there's two Dantes. There's the pilgrim, there's the poet who's already come back. The poet who's come back to write the poem has already been exiled. The reason he can prophesy them is because he's already gone through them. I can't state that strongly enough. What Dante's seeing is um, the fruit of his having lost everything. I hope that's clear. He couldn't write this poem if he had not been in exile. He lost everything. He knows what it means to lose everything. Right? And he knows, he he's showing us in the poem that he keeps getting these warnings. God knows it. It's prophesized. It's going to happen. Right? So he's a man looking back at experiences that he's had. And I'm assuming it's like all of us. All of us go through these horrible ordeals. And at the time when we go through them, we so often, I mean, we're just left overwhelmed with these things. Dante's already experienced that, right? He's lost it. He's lost everything. So he's going back from the perspective of having gone through it all already, writing having lost it. So what we're seeing is God. I mean, if we take the journey as a whole, that God has allowed all of this. Why? So that Dante can do this. Could he have done it if he'd stayed comfortable and, you know, secure and killing people in those wars? Still, could he have done any of this? No. It wasn't until he lost it um, and underwent all these trials. It was like a, um, a trial by fire. That, that having lost all of these things, he could begin to see the nature of it and question and do these things. So, remember as we're going through all of this, I've been saying this from the beginning, one of the hardest things for us always is to see holes. That if we don't see holes, we're misreading. That's why I'm encouraging you all to pick this book up and read it again because once you've seen the hole and you go back and read it, it'll change. It'll be a very, very different book. So, those are just some overview things to keep in mind, you know, as we, as we move towards our end. This has all happened. He's, he's getting, as he's approaching God, he's in a position to more clearly see the radiance, the beauty, the purity because he has lost all of this stuff, given it up. Um, okay, let's, let's turn to the stuff today. Any questions before we look at... I'm just going to do this briefly. I'm going to try to go through some of the cantos briefly, but... Any, yeah.
1: Well, one thing it seems like I think I hear you saying is that I thought before is Dante. God gives us everything: our comfort, our love, our, everything that we have is a gift of God, and we're required to give it. Be willing to give it back. Now we can either, like Dante has to <laughs> give his corn stuff, he has to give back. These things that were important to him to move on in the journey. So it's like God gives us these gifts, but we can't hold on to it. We have to be able to to search out, find the will of God, and be, be willing to give it back to God. Is that have I got that anywhere yeah. near close?
0: Yeah, I don't know. I'm yes, yes. I mean, I, I, you can't quarrel with that. I'm. Um,
1: but is that in
0: I'm a little story? bit uneasy with it because it, it doesn't quite. Match up with this in this sense. Okay. Um, I, 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 it isn't clear to me. Giving it back is such a hard thing to say. I, I don't know that we give it back because it's been given to us. Well, could
1: um, be ripped from
0: us. But yeah, I mean back. it's taken from Dante. You know, how many of us are good? I mean, remember, it was it was forcibly taken away.
1: Well, yeah. Would I'm he have given it up on it? you would,
0: would the giving know. would the giving back have taken this form if it hadn't been taken away? I don't no. think so.
1: No. No. But that, that can apply to
0: everybody's life. Which? I mean... What you're saying? Right. Yeah, yes it can, but I want to be clear that I think what Dante's doing is something a little bit different. Oh, okay. That, that what, um, I... When you put it that way, it's a little bit like a contract. We've been given something, give it back. Yes, 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 yes. I don't want to, I'm not arguing with that. But there's another way of looking at it, too. If, if the ultimate image of our reality is the Trinity, it's a free giving. God didn't make us in order for us to give back. There wasn't a contract. He gave he gave us our lives. He made us in his nature. That means it's it's in accord with our nature to give freely. Whatever we have, whether we've been given it or not, that's what we should be doing to give ourselves freely. And very often when we get things, we get very possessive of them. Don't want to give them don't want to give them up. And very often people say, it's a way of giving back. Yes, I mean, there's a good in that. But I think Dante's showing something else and deeper, that, that it's in our nature, and there's a danger facing us in the world, that we like an entitlement. We think it's owed us. We think, you know, and, and we don't let go of it very well. And remember, all of this was forcibly taken from him. Um, But I think behind this is something else, that that God made us. It's important to remember that the action of the Trinity is a free self-giving. That's the nature of the Trinity. There's no contract. They, They give back because they were given. It's in their nature. If God made us in our nature, it should be that we should do that. Now, we've fallen. We lost that. One of the effects of the fall is our blindness. Our, our selfishness, our egotism, our self-centeredness, our wanting things for ourselves. Once we get things, we may reach a point of wanting to give back. But I'm not sure that's the same thing as what I'm talking about, because to go there is to go to the root of our nature. Some people give because they want a reward. God gave me this. I'm going to do this because my reward will be to be in heaven with God. Are they freely giving? I mean, you know, it's such a, it's such a obscure thing, but what, I, what I'm suggesting here is that, that Dante's going to ultimate things and showing us that there's something self-giving in the nature of God and that having been forced to give up this stuff brought him to a place that he could do something. And remember, he's not just giving back. Like all epic heroes, he's had a call. Beatrice came to him, right? Kachiguita came to him, right. Where did they get that? They're next to God. Dante's been saying this whole thing is prophetic, that he, he's got to bring this to the world, no matter how uncomfortable it is to people. Um, anyway, let me, let me leave it there. Thank you. Yeah. Take a look at um, um, page 491. Let's... <coughs> Which canto? We don't have page numbers. You don't have, oh, um, canto 17. Okay, By the way, we're not gonna, we're not gonna look at, um, 15, 16, fi- turn, actually, t- turn to page 4. Oh, s- hold on a second, sorry. <coughs> Turn to um, 477, I'm going to try to get out of the way as much as I can, i want to let Dante. Dante um, and Beatrice have risen to the heaven of Mars. By the way, let me ask this quickly before, because I know I'm going to... miss it if I if I don't um, it I'm just amazed I'm just amazed at this why are the warriors you, Guida the warriors why are the warriors higher than the theologians who are the fathers of the church
1: hmm? anybody <laughs> They're in the trenches, oh, life experience. Person.
0: They know more. And they die. I mean, they give their lives. I mean, you know, in a war. I, mean, um, I think that just um, soldiers offer their lives completely. I mean, it's not to say theologians don't, they write, but but I think Dante's always trying to make sense of differences and hierarchies and orders, and and I, I'm just a, I'm always amazed. I've said this, you know. I've said this before. This is sort of amazing. There is nothing that he does in the Paradiso perid- that doesn't give a first cause explanation. He's not in the world that we are. He's not giving. He's not giving explanations in terms of secondary causes, which are limited and very often erroneous. They're limited, and, and too often we take them as complete. We argue with each other, thinking we've got the answers, you know, when there's always something more. Dante never gives an explanation that doesn't go to a first cause. So he's finding meaning everywhere because he's relating it to a first cause and he's trying to help us to see differences between things. Um, it's just interesting to me that, that this is the way this, the planets are and he founded an order of an ascent from the, def- the virtues that were deficient to the virtues that were perfected to the contemplative life to the supernatural virtues, faith, hope, and charity. That's the journey. It's it's richer and richer and richer. Remember, the higher things are always there, faith, hope, and charity, or you wouldn't be there. But when we get them here, we get them (laughs) full, in their essence, pure. Um, Here, he's risen to the level of Mars, and he's meeting his great-great-grandfather, Caci 477. The magnanimity in which true love always resolves itself as does that other self-seeking love into iniquity. When we love ourselves too much, we always get into trouble. Um, um, It's too self-seeking and it always leads to some bad. Silence the notes of that sweet-sounding harp and hush the music of those holy strings tuned tight or loose by heaven's hand itself. How could such beings be deaf to righteous prayers, those beings who to encourage my desire to beg of them fell silent, all of them? And right it is that he forever mourn, who out of love for what does not endure, loses that other love eternally. Those who make their own love more important than everything will lose the love of God. And now, through calm and cloudless skies, a sudden streak of fire cuts the dark, catching the eye that watches listlessly. As if a star were changing places there, except that from the place where it flared up, no star is missing and the blaze dies down. So from the right arm of the cross, a star belonging to that brilliant constellation sped to the center and down to the floor, and as it coursed along the radio lines this gem contained within its setting seemed like fire beneath an alabaster screen. As he rises to the level of Mars he catches an image of a cross lit up with specks of fire. They're all souls. It's the soul of Christ. And in in some sense it's it's the cross of self-sacrifice, what the warrior does when he offers his life. Because it's everything. He can't go on to write a treatise, he's dead. He gave up everything. So we see this image of the cross with these flecks, these flames of light. One of them descends and and takes its place. That would be Cacciaguida, one of the soldiers, now comes to Dante, his great-great-grandfather. And he's going to tell him things about his calling, the things he will have to write. With like affection did Anchises' shade rush forth, if we may trust our greatest muse when in Elysium he beheld his son. Somebody recall for me what's happening here. No, 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 memory. Bev, Uh. come on, come on, Bev. Mm -hmm. Okay.
1: Well, you know, it says here in the footnote.
0: Mm, Aeneas. No. What when did when when did Anchises appear to Aeneas and where?
1: Mm.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> That's why I want to go back and do the Iliad, and the Odyssey and Aeneid again.
1: Uh, you guys realize how much you're
0: missing here. That's why we started this course in the beginning.
1: The underworld or Yes.
0: Aeneas had to. Aeneas had to go into the underworld oh. to meet his father, and it's in. This is so important. This is a passing. This is a passage you read. He meets him in Cithis. Big deal. It is a big deal. He had to go to the. Remember, he had to go to the underworld to deal with those um, illusory spirits that he had. He was going to have to contend with in the world. And it's there in the underworld that he meets his father. He's reunited with his dad. And it's in the underworld that his father gives him his calling. And he says, this is what you're going to go on to do. And why did Dante introduce this this simile here? With like affection did Anchises, shade rush forth. That's the way Catriguita rushes to Dante. Why? Because the message that Anchises gave Aeneas was going to lead to the founding of Rome. What's the parallel? Dante is the prophet of the modern world who's trying to recall people to this new universal Rome. Dante's talked about it, the Rome that is in heaven where all souls are Roman. It's the universal Jerusalem. There's no accident, this is not a minor simile. This is a major simile because in coming to his great-great-grandfather Dante's going to receive Great clarity on what he is supposed to do. Like all the epic heroes, he has a divine calling. This is something he has to do. Um, 480. Branch of my tree, the mere expectancy of whose arrival here gave me delight. I was your root. This was his preface then, he said, he after whom your family was named, who sold a hundred mount years and more, still circles the first terrace of the mount. Father of your grandfather was my son, and meet, this is sort of extraordinary. Imagine going to heaven and beginning to meet forebears and finding yourself. Father of my father, his father, his son. Um, i going over <coughs> On 483, tell me then cherry source from whom I sprung about your own forefathers, who they were, what years made history when you were young. Now what's going to happen is this, probably the greatest denunciation in the whole of Divine Comedy. Cacciaguida is going to spend a whole canto. 48, how great I saw them once who now are ruined by their own pride, and how those balls of gold shone bright as Florence, flowered in great deeds. He began by describing how great Florence was. The wives used to carry water and loved doing it. Now, he says, they're all spoiled. All the men, given to wealth, gold. Such were the fathers of those today who belong <clears throat> some vacant office in the church and grow fat, sitting, in consistory. He goes on to denounce all of them. And to 490 page, with families like this in charge I saw the glory of the justice of her people. Never the lily on the staff reversed, nor through dissension changed from white to red. In the battles between the Gulfs and the Givellines, in one of the battles the victors reversed the emblem of the other side. I mean it's just nothing but hate and rivalry and competition and gluttony and pride and envy. I could not read this from Peccia when he described the beginnings of Florence without remembering the beginnings of America. We were a primitive people. We cut, chopped down trees. We fought a war. We gave up our lives to fight for our freedom. Trace the history of America from that first generation to today. I don't know how anybody can do it without being overcome with sorrow. I mean, to, to see what our families have become, the enabling, um, the awful spiritual condition in which we are today. This is what Cacciaguida is doing. So Dante's giving us this picture of Florence as it was, and what it has become from his great great grandfather. Um, Four ninety two. Here's that first principle again: contingency, which in no way extends beyond the pages of your world of matter, is all depicted in the internal sight. This is a world of contingency. There is no contingency in God's realm. Everything's eternal. It's a, it's an ongoing present, so God can see everything. <coughs> he isn't blinded by events the way we are. And now, Cacciaguida is going to give Dante his call, <coughs> page 493. You shall be for, <coughs> you shall be forced to leave behind those things you love most dearly. Here we go to your question. Yeah you'll be forced to leave behind those things you love most. Would he have given them on his own if he had to? And this is the first arrow the bow of your exile will shoot and you will know how salty is the taste of others bread, how hard the road that takes you down and upstairs of others homes. He's going to have to live at the mercy of other people depending on them and lots of them he's not going to like because they're not going to be good people. This is what Dante is going to have to endure. At others' bread, how hard the road that takes you down and up the stairs of others' homes, but what will weigh you down the most will be the despicable, senseless company whom you shall have to bear in that sad veil. All the ungrateful, the completely mad, the vicious, they shall turn on you, but soon their cheeks, not yours, will have to blush from shame. Proof of their bestiality will show through their own deeds, it will be to your honor to have become a party of your own. He's going to have to stand alone. <coughs> I think all of us or most of us have gone through experiences where we find ourselves utterly alone in the world. Um, the things that we most depended on, gone. We can, I mean, that can be devastating. At some point, once we get past it, I think it's possible to see that there was something not good about our attachments to them. We just couldn't see it. With him you shall see one who at its birth was stamped so hard with this star seal that all of his achievements will win great renown." That's um, Congrande, one of the really good people who welcomed Dante and helped him. Middle of 494, Now write this in your mind, but do not tell the world. He's telling him something we don't hear. So there's something Kachiguita knows that we don't. No, go down. Then he said, son, you have my gloss on what was told you. Now you see the snares that hide behind a few years' time. No envy towards your neighbor should you bear The fact that he loses it cannot be a cause of envy in him. He cannot want it back. He can't envy others that have them. His course is going to be harder, as we've seen. Um, No envy towards your neighbor should you bear, for you will have a future that endures far longer than their crime and punishment. When by his silence that blessed soul revealed that he had ceased weaving the woof across the warp that I had set in readiness, I said as one who is in doubt and longs to have the guidance of a soul who sees the truth and knows the virtue and his love. Father, well do I see how time attacks. So it is good that foresight lend me arms. Thus should the place most dear to me be lost. My verse at least shall not lose me. It's good that he should know this. He should hear this from somebody who can speak the truth to him, because it will help prepare him for the difficulty. When people pity too much, what do they do? Do they help? In some ways, they don't prepare them for the difficulty. They want to make everything okay. Country is not doing that here. And Dante knows he will have his verse, that there's something going on here, that he's been called to do this. Down through the world of endless bitterness and on the mountain from whose lovely crown I was raised upward by my lady's eyes, and through the heavens rising from light to light, I learned things that were they to be retold would leave a bitter taste in many's mouths. Yet if I'm a timid friend of truth, I fear my name may not live on with those who will look back at these this is amazing, th- th- those of you who weren't here won't know, but the, the great theme of the Iliad was Kleos, Kleos, honor. But remember, honor in the Iliad was disorder. Achilles is the one who restores the right or- order. Dante's concern here is his honor, not as the pagans understood it, but as a Christian. He wants to be faithful to the truth. He knows that if he isn't, if he doesn't tell the truth, even when it's going to hurt people, he will compromise his integrity. He will, will not be who he is, who he's been given to be. The light that was resplendent in the treasure I had found there began to flash more light. Caccia overjoyous at hearing what Dante's saying. This is his grand, great-great-grandson. He's proud of him. He, he loves him more because of what he's doing began to flash more light just like a golden mirror in the sun, and then replied, the conscience that is dark with shame for his own deeds or for another's may well indeed feel harshness in your words. Nevertheless, do not resort to lies. For what you write reveal all you have seen, and let those men who itch scratch where it hurts. Though when your words are taken in at first, they may taste bitter, but once well digested, they will become a, a vital nurturement. Even if people are a little bit stung, if they hear the words, they will nurture them, they will become a source of nourishment. Your cry words will do as does the wind, striking the hardest at the highest peaks, and this will be for honor, no small ground. And so you have been shown here in these spheres, down on the mount and in the plain-filled valley, only those souls whose names are known to fame because the listener's mind will never trust or have faith in the kind of illustration based on unfamiliar and obscure. Every one of the, It was important that Dante deal with people who were known, who were famous, so that people would take them seriously, so that they would learn from them. Um, Dante and Beatrice ascend to the sphere of Jupiter on page 500, All of the souls begin to swim around Dante and they form themselves into a sentence in the middle of the page 500. The first words of the message, verb and noun, diligiti, justicium, qui ijudicatis terum, love justice, you who judge the earth. Remember how important justice has been all along. Justice and mercy have to go together but there can't be any mercy without justice. We're all called to justice, to do what's right. Whatever the circumstances, easy or hard, we're called to do what's right. And then what happens is the final lever in Terim M forms so that what we have is the image of an eagle in that M. So it writes the words. That is amazing, amazing. i sorry. I mean, it's true. We're learning a new language in heaven. The eagle spells out a word. I don't believe it was you know, in the way that we look at it, but anyway, here's this M, so that we have the image of an eagle speaking, speaking to Dante in a language. This will make it clear um, if it isn't right now. The eagle will begin to speak about things dealing with justice on 502. And there before my eyes with wings spread wide, that splendid image shone, shaped by the souls rejoicing in their interwoven joy. They were set there like splendid rubies, lit each of them by a gleaming ray of sun, which was reflected straight into my eyes. And what I have to tell you here and now, no tongue has told or ink has written down, nor any fantasy imagined it. For I could hear the beak and see it move. I heard its voice use words like I and mine when in conception it was we and our." Is that clear? Is there anything possessive in heaven? No. No. So even if an individual speaks, even though he uses the pronoun I, there's some sense in which what's communicated in that I is an our. Mm -hmm. What Dante's showing us is that there's no, language is inadequate to deal with what's going on there. We, languages, we know it is sequential, yeah? Subject, verb, it's in time. We have entered a place in which there is no time. Remember, I gave you the example the other day, it's, it's always struck me, we, Suzanne and I did the adoration last week and, and looking at the host and Christ and realizing that people all over the world were doing the same. And, and I, I think I gave you this example of the beatific vision. If you're looking at God, we, the, that we, I hope we will all have that vision, but if we're present to God, we're looking at Him, whatever we see. Is there somebody behind Him looking at Him at the same time? There is no behind to God. Just there is in Mary. If everybody's praying to Mary, there's going to be somebody praying to her here, somebody praying to her here. Somehow, even though we are separated by time and space, she is present to them all. How? Because in heaven, there is no time or space as we know it. Yes? Are, are, am I clear? Is this clear? So Dante's got to find a language that will make it possible for us to enter into this. Now, take this sheet I gave you, just quickly. Did you do You have that? Um, <coughs> remember that, that what's just, in, just to speak about this, this thing of language. Remember, I, I, I said that Dante's using these reflexive verbs all the time because it's his way of showing an indwelling. In heaven, each person remains distinctly himself while he's spiritually becoming united with another. So the Beatrice is constantly anticipating what he wants to say long before he says it. She already knows. <coughs> How could God not? God, is there anything we can keep from God? <laughs> How embarrassing! How shameful sometimes. There's nothing He doesn't see. Um, we've got bodies and we think they're opaque. God sees everything. You know, it's spirit entering matter. But so just take a look at some of these. Picarda. brother, we love. We love the divine will. We love as that chooses to love. We inwilled to will in loved to love. In the middle one, the Still with Picardo. so that to be what we are from threshold to threshold in the kingdom is to the whole kingdom a joy, as to the King who to His will inwilleth us in Voglia. He, he inwills, he inspirits His spirit to us. How can it be? How can it not be that? Cuniza, but in myself I pardon happily the reason for my. It's a, it's a reflexive verb. She's offering herself something. Foco, God can see all, I said, and, blessed spirit, your vision is contained in him so that no wish can ever hide itself from you. I would not have to wait for your request if I could enter you as you do me. Another, if I indeed, this would be better, I think, if I indeed myself as thou dost in me thyself. There's others, Peter Damien, the contemplative in the heaven of Saturn, a ray of God's light focuses on me and penetrates. The light in wombing, a light is in wombing. That's an amazing in wombing. It's not just entering; it's 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 infusing a light in him that is a womb, which means by its own nature it's creative. It will be offering God. And when those precious light-reflected jewels with which I saw the Earth planet gemmed Gems are infusing their light in things, sapphires, rubies, you know, gold. The next one, compared to the melodious tones that poured from the sweet lyre crowning the lovely sapphire, whose grace in sapphires the heaven's brightest sphere. It's like a, a sapphire light not only radiating the heavens, but radiating the interior of things in sapphire itself. You are close to final blessedness, said Beatrice. By the way, how can it not? The the Trinity is the most perfect image. If we were made in God's image, this is what we were meant to come to. Yeah? You are close to final blessedness, said Beatrice, that you now must keep your eyes unclouded and your vision keen. And so before... God. And so before inciting further here... Coming inside of... That is before you penetrate more deeply into the mysteries that are going on here. Yeah? So re- remember the op- rem- what was the opening Canto about? Moon spots. Dante has a body and he enters the moon. How can a body enter moon? And the moon spots didn't explain themselves. they could only be explained using the concept of a form, this informing principle that it's work everywhere. Everywhere, this is this metaphysical principle. Everything that goes on is receiving form. That's what gives it its nature, what it is. What's the ultimate source of all of those? The Word. The form of the Father. The informing power of Christ everywhere in creation. So... um, So there's nothing going on right now that doesn't take the form of becoming one with another and one with the, the very nature of heaven itself. Imagine what this does. I hope, I'm, I hope you guys are blown away by this as much. That you, When you take the Eucharist, this is just not taking wine. I mean, a Protestant who says this is a memorial or, you know, if anything should be going on, this should be going on. How many of us can do this if we don't have an imagination to help us? I mean, I just think, this should be taught in the schools, you know? People, so that their imaginations can be enlivened. If we can't imagine it, think about how how much darkness we live in. Dante is opening that world for us. So there's, he says, I could hear the beak and see it move. I heard his voice and use words like I and mine when in conception, it was we in there. We are in another time-space dimension. There is no time and space as we know it here. And there is an informing principle at work everywhere. It is the word present in everything there. Does the word rule over things like a despot, a puppet master? No. The souls are there in freedom, (coughs) loving, one with God's will. They are completely who they were given to be, freely. And remember, the cause they couldn't get there. I mean, hell was a choice. We can choose to love ourselves more than anything and stay there. <laughs> purgatory was the movement out of that towards God, justice and mercy, answering. Now we're here. This is what it was all aimed for. This is, this, behind all of this was Dante's understanding of our nature. Remember the contrapasses. In, in heaven, they're suffering the effects of the sins they've chosen. In purgatory, they're, they're accepting the punishments to transform those sins, to to bring justice to them so that they can become better. Now we're in paradise. We're saying the same thing. Everybody is living according to his nature. That's where we were meant to go, our nature. If our nature is Trinitarian, this is what we were meant to experience. This infusion. So we're, we're not isolated souls. The souls in heaven are partaking of this effulgence, this brightness, this joy, everywhere. <clears throat> um, I'm going to rush forward to um, p- page five ten. <coughs> when Dante comes um, on five oh five, sorry, Dante has this question about the baptized. The eagle answers it in an amazing way. He says in five hundred four, the trouble with us when we ask questions like that is that it's like the lawyer who presumed, to, you know, when he said what, what should he, he lived up to the first and second commandment, and said what should I do, and then Christ says give up everything, and then he goes away sad. We always want more. Our our mind won't be quieted, our intellects. Um, Dante wants to know what happens to the unbaptized. Um, on page 504. Therefore a vision which can only be one of the rays that come from the prime mind which penetrates every created thing cannot of its own nature be so weak as to not see that its own principle is far beyond what our eyes can perceive. And so the vision granted to your world can no more fathom justice everlasting than eyes can see down to the ocean floor. While you can see the bottom near the shore you cannot out at sea but nonetheless, it's still there, concealed by its depths." Is that clear? We can see this, this sh- the, the bottom close to the shore, and we know by extrapolation that there is a bottom, There's a, but we can't see it out at sea. It's too deep for us. So there's lots of things we can see with our intellects, but if we have any understanding at all, we should know that our minds are, are too weak to penetrate God's depths, because His depths are infinite. So he gives the, um, the explanation, I don't want to go into it, you can read it 505, but he says, O earthbound creatures, O thick-headed men, the primal will, which of itself is good, never moves from itself the good supreme. Only that which accords with it is just, it is not drawn to any finite good, but sending forth its rays creates that good. All good comes from God. He says, at the bottom, even as my notes are too high for your mind to comprehend, so is eternal judgment. Nobody, he says, can go to God who hasn't been baptized. But he says nobody knows what God does with us because it's infinite. So we should be careful about presuming to an answer to speak for God. Now, the interesting thing is on pa- in page um, 510, the eagle identifies all of the souls in the eye, and Trajan, on, on page 510, of those five souls that form the eyebrows arch, the one who shines the closest to my beat consoled the widow who had lost her son. That's Trajan. He was one of the emperors. He he died. He was brought back by the prayers of of a Christian, brought him back to life, and he was baptized and is in heaven. What Dante is showing us is that God's grace in dealing with matters of sin... God's grace is larger than the categories we impose on Him because there is no past or, pre- or future for Him. He can do things in the past that to our mind have already been completed. So if His justice is infinite and His mercy is infinite, He's doing things all the time that we can't even begin to comprehend. How could it be? right? But this is Dante's way of showing this. He took Trajan, the, 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 the prayers of a bishop, brought him back to life. He was baptized and now he's in heaven. But here's the other on page 511. Who in the erring world would have believed that Riphius of Troy was here, the fifth of this half-circle made of holy... Riphius is one of the soldiers who died in the Aeneid. I'm going to let you off the hook on this one, Bev.
1: Thank you. That name is not familiar.
0: Because I couldn't... Uh, when I did the Aeneid, I told everybody to remember it. There's no way people are going to remember it. It's, you know, it's, here's Riff. This is in the Aeneid. Those of you who are here, those of you who are not here. This is, this is the passage... The Greeks have snuck in in the Trojan horse, Helen opened it, they flooded out, they opened the gates. It is the act of treachery treachery that leads to the destruction of That's the destruction of a city, of a civilization. That's why this moment is so important. In the middle of this battle that takes place between the Greeks and the Trojans, Virgil describes this event. This is on page four. Those of you who have the Aeneid book, go home, it's on page 48. Then some whom we had taken by surprise under cover of night throughout the city and driven off came back again. They knew our shields and arms for life. Some of the Trojans put on Greek armor to disguise themselves, to protect themselves, because it's a massacre right now. They're just, the city's being destroyed. Remember, Aeneas loses, a, Aeneas loses everything. Does that sound familiar? Where did Dante, where did Dante get this? Aeneas lost everything. There was no way he could have gone on to found home, Rome if he had not lost. He would have never gone on to the spiritual insights he had if he had not lost everything. This is in the middle of that horrible battle where everybody, his family is, everybody is getting killed. They overwhelmed us. Corobius fell at the warrior goddess's altar, killed by Penelius. And Riff, here we go, and Ripheus fell a man uniquely just among the Trojans, the soul of equity, but the gods would have it differently. In another description it was the most righteous, the most righteous of Trojans, but the gods but the gods thought otherwise. That was another translation. But the gods thought otherwise. Why did Dante put this guy here? Listen to my words. The most righteous of men but the gods thought otherwise. Did his righteousness protect him? He's killed. Just listen to the third. Most, most righteous, the most just of men. The soul of equity, but the gods thought otherwise. Why does Dante put him here? This is amazing. Because by putting him here, what Dante is saying is, the God thought otherwise. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Is that clear? It's, does Dante love Virgil? He does. I mean, he, he, he taught him so much. But this is a one upsmanship on Virgil, let's say. There is a God greater than your God, Virgil. So, I mean, Dante's having some humor. It's just, um, you have to read these books, you guys. God, you're all going to be glad to get out of here today. <laughs> Beating you all over the head. Um, Page 515, let's just, I'm just going to finish this quickly. They, um, they rise to the level of Saturn now, and um, um, he wonders why he can't smile, 515. Beatrice says, were I to smile, she said to me, what Samilia became, you would become burnt to a heap of ashes. Semele is a goddess who loved um, Zeus and who wanted to see him and she was given her request and seen that is not mediated through some human form but as he was to see God as he is. It's like looking directly at the sun or, or at something greater than the sun. Her eyes were turned to ashes. Um, my beauty as you have already seen becomes more radiant with every step of the eternal palace that we palace that we climb, and if it were not tempted, such effulgence would strike your sight the way a bolt of lightning shatters the leafy branches of a tree. Um, He learns too, at the top of 517, your hearing is but mortal like your sight, he said, there is no singing here just as there is no smile on Beatrice's face. To hear that song would deafen because the beauty is too great. (coughs) Um, page 522 Dante ascends the letter to the um, constellation of um, Gemini one of the dense denunciations here is of the orders on fa- page 519 lean and barefooted Cephas came and came the mighty vessel of the Holy Spirit both taking food whenever it was offered they're talking about the the orders getting fat on their complacency and their gluttony um, this is Peter Damian on page 518. Then he began his third address to me, There I became so steadfast in God's service that I lived on nothing but plain foods, in olive oil, suffering gladly, heat and cold all year, content in only thoughts contemplative. He was glad to give up things so that he, he could grow in the life of contemplation. Because in contemplation we are closer to God, farther away from the world. Um, on page 521, sorry, he meets Benedict, Benedict comes to him and Dante knows why he on page 522, um, why he can't see him, his face, in the middle of 522, do I have sufficient grace to see the unveiled image of your face whereon he said, brother your high desire shall be fulfilled in the last fear for there not only mine, but every wish comes true. For there, and only there, is every wish become a perfect right, entire one." How can he see Christ when he can't even see the faces of souls? He's got to learn to get there. Um, going back to Father's, um, the heart of Christ, will we, will we learn to see each other as we really are um, if, if we don't have the heart of Christ and His eyes? to see the sins and the goodness in each other, to learn to see that way. Um, so, this is just a part of um, what's going on with Dante, um, 524. You are so close to final blessedness, said Beatrice, that you now must keep your eyes in and your vision key. Remember, it's through our vision that our loves grows. And it's interesting that right now he can't see things. He's, he's approaching the end itself. So before inciting further here, look down and see a vast universe I've already put beneath your feet, so that your heart, knowing the utmost joy, may greet that host of the triumphant who come in joy through this ethereal round. My vision traveled back through all the spheres." Here he is, prima mobile, on the back of the universe, and he's looking at the entire universe and taking a pleasure in watching the planets move. Think about, I'm so sorry, we don't take astronomy today. We don't get it. Think about what it would do for our imaginations. Because if we could see the planets, if we've learned to see them, we could imagine being back and back of them on the universe and watching the rotations, their harmony, their coordination, the harmony that they form. Dante's there now. He's asking us to imagine this picture standing, the way we are in a plane, you know, when we're in a plane and we look out and we see so much. Expand that, take it to the back of the universe. What, a, what an extraordinary moment that would be, to, to see the universe in its order.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: My vision traveled back through all the spheres, through seven heavens, and then I saw, this is this is the root of it, and then I saw our globe, it made me smile, it looked so paltry there. I hold that mind as best that holds our world for least. This is the via, this is so important, the via negativia, via negativia, the way of negation or the um, contemptus, contemptus mundi, the contempt of the world. We are meant God, Christ says it. we are meant to hate the world. Until we learn to hate the world, we will never turn sufficiently away from it to love him. I hold that mind as best that holds our world for least. And I consider truly wise the man who turns his thoughts to other things. I saw Latona's daughter glowing full without those shadows which had led me once to think that she was rare and dense in parts. There's that rarity density in the moon. On your son's face, Hyperion, my eyes could gaze. He looks at the sun, and I saw circling close to him, Amaya and Dionys. Children move from there. I saw the tempering of Jove between his son and sire, and it was clear how they could change positions in their course. Can we ever have that view if we don't turn loose of the world? Will we ever be able to see it whole if we're so preoccupied with the things right in front of us? How can we see? How clouded is our vision? Um, As for the puny threshing ground that drives us mad, (laughs) the earth what it does to us, I, turning with the timeless twins, saw all of it from hilltops to its shores, then to the eyes of beauty my eyes turned. Um, I'm gonna stop here, just weird, let me just hold on, give me a minute here. On page 527, Um, From the Ladder of the Stars, Dante watched. He caught a glimpse of Christ. Christ ascends, he returns to the Imperium. And then there's this image of Mary following him. On 529, (coughs) the sweetest sounding notes, enrapturing. There's that reflexive. Enrapturing a man's soul here below could sound just like a (coughs) clap of thunder. Crashing from a cloud. (laughs) God. Um, compared to the melodious tones that poured from the sweet lyre, crowning the lovely sapphire, whose grace in sapphire is the heaven's brightest sphere. Um, hearing that would be like hearing ugly noise on earth, compared to what he heard there, because it was so extraordinary. He's watching Mary ascend, and, um, and the angel comes to him, I am in jelly glove, encompassing the joy supreme, who breathes from out the womb, which was the place where our desire dwelt. You all know what that... that's Christ, right? Our desire dwelt in her womb. And I shall circle you, heaven, heavenly lady, while you follow your Son to highest heaven, and with your presence make it more divine. He's at the prima mobile right now, remember, the prima mobile is Christian, it's transparent. It's moving so fast that you can't see it move, but it's imparting motion to the, it's Dante, Every and this is what's crucial, Dante's giving us a metaphysics, there's nothing that's going on that isn't connected with God, everything. We're in a world of first causes, right? We're in heaven, we're not in secondary causes here. Dante's of that world, so it's related to our Earth, the planets, and But everything's presented in terms of a first cause. So we are in the realm of the first cause itself. He keeps getting these glimpses of Christ, and Christ recedes from him, and he's moving towards him. And Mary's following Christ, and he's following her. So um, the joy is increasing, the radiance is increasing. I saw all those radiances stretch their flame on high thus making clear to me how deep their love, how much they cherish Mary. There they remain, suspended in my sight, singing Regina Celi, um, Queen of Heaven, in tones so sweet the joy of it will never leave my mind. Oh, what abundant grace is sorted up here inside those richest coffers. These are the saints. They're the ones who make this visible to us. Who below in our world sowed the land with their good seed. Herein they truly live, and they enjoy the wealth. Their tears had won for them, while they, in Babylonian exile, scorned all gold." Over and over and over again, over and over and over again, Dante makes it clear that this is Babylon and Egypt. Um, That we're too trapped, too enslaved by our desires here. um, here and they truly live and they enjoy the wealth their tears had won for them, while they in Babylonian exile scorned all gold. And here, victorious beneath the Son of God and Mary, and amid the good souls of the old and new covenant, triumphs the one who holds the keys to glory. Who's that? Who holds the keys? Peter.
1: Peter. <laughs> yes.
0: They're approaching. They're approaching the beatific rose. It is the. Who was the image? You got that hand up, yeah? It's the Peter. You just look there. You'll see the order that Dante's given it. In Canto Twenty Four, Peter Peter approaches Dante at Beatrice's request and gives Dante an examination in faith. It's really important to read this because it's not just an intellectual definition. It's not just an intellectual definition it shows that it's living for dante if if you read the canto you'll see that peter keeps pushing him he doesn't want just an abstract answer he doesn't want just a definition he's he's pressing questions to see if dante really understands it in this sense that it's realized it's not just grasped with his mind it's realized in his being that he's living it what he's doing so he can give answers to peter <coughs> that somebody else wouldn't so canto 24 is is um, Peter's examination, Dante now has moved from the universe as we know it, he's moved from the, those who were perfected in their virtues, Mars, Jupiter and Saturn or the Sun, wisdom, fortitude, justice and temperance he's left the life of the contemplatives um, Damien and, and um, Benedict, and he's now in the realm in which the supernatural virtues are immediate. They define the life. He's entered into the to all that all that faith makes clear to the mind. It's present to him. It's not talking about something off. He's there. He's with. He's with the blessed. So, um, um, what will happen now is he will he will undergo an examination in. Um, um, hope and love with um, John and James, if I remember um, I still have to read it with you guys um, and then some amazing things will happen at the very end Will he will be there in the presence of the blessed and he will show us the things that um, he encounters there, so that's where we will be next week and we will finish our work together, God this is amazing just amazing, just amazing, just amazing. Just amazing. Just wear you out? Yeah. (laughs) Yes.
1: Does it wear I mean this is a lot. Yeah. A lot.